What I want to do today is share with you some of the broader things God is doing throughout the church because I think you're going to be encouraged by it. You might turn on the news when you get home or turn on your radio in the car, and there's so much bad news. There's political infighting. There's wars overseas. There's natural disasters happening all over the place. There's, there's disease. There's criminal activity. And some of the best things that are happening in the world, actually, I would say the best things that are happening in this world are happening through churches and missions that are carrying the gospel out. And you don't always hear those stories, but I hear a lot of them. And so I want to share with you a lot of what God has been doing in our church over the past year and what we believe he's doing in the coming year. If you have, have a bulletin, you might want to jot some things on the backside because I just want to highlight some key words that I think summarize um, the past year and the coming year. So four words to summarize uh, 2018. First one is stability. We have stability in our leadership. I'm starting there because everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything that happens in your family, everything that happens in your business, in the military, uh, in sports teams, in churches, rests on the leaders. And if you have poor leadership, it's going to trickle down in dysfunction everywhere else. And I want to tell you that of all the years that I've been in this church, 23 and a half years, I believe we have the strongest group of leaders that we've ever had, starting with our elders. Uh, As Tom shared, there are four elders coming back on the board. Every one of them has anywhere from three to um, over 20 years of experience as an elder in this church. And they're joining a group of elders that are already um, on board, uh, Barry Dodson and Dan Casson and Tom Moore. All these men are very committed to this church's ministry. They've all been serving in their volunteer hours within the church. Being an elder is just something extra to what they're doing within the church. And they love this church. I want to tell you from my own experience, these men love the church as much, if not more, than anybody else in this church. They... they endure criticism. They give uh, a lot of hours. They put their best thinking together because they are taking care of this church. See, we don't have a denomination over us. We don't have a superintendent that looks over us. Um, Our elders are the ceiling. I mean, the Lord is above that. But if our elders are out of line, it's going to trickle down to everything else that goes on in this church. And so we are so blessed to have the eldership that we have. And I hope that you um, let them know how much you appreciate them. And next to our elders are our staff. We have a tremendous staff. I really sincerely see that. We have a great staff team that I like to work with all through the week. God has moved some people around over the past several years, um, brought some new people on. But we have a staff that's not only talented, but they love the Lord. And what's interesting is a majority of our staff have as their very first staff position in a church right here meaning they grew up in this church. They got involved in this church. They started doing ministry in this church. And then we saw what they were doing and said, man, we could use you on our staff. And it's so exciting to see how God has raised up the incredible staff that we have. And particularly our core team, which I, I call our executive team. There are five people on our executive team. I'm one of them. And then we have uh, Rick Detling and Matt Ross and Brian Tungseth and Sam Silvius. Sam will complete his fifth year of ministry at the end of December, meaning that starting next year, everyone of that team will have been together, not just with the church staff, but together as a team for five years. Now, that's remarkable when you think that most pastors in a church stay three years. And it just, when you've got a team that stays together uh, for a long period of time, it's like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I don't know, whatever you think about the Patriots, they've stuck together all these years, won a lot of championships. You can do a lot of things when people get to know each other, knows their strengths, weaknesses, stand beside each other, and it's just really incredible. And I want to just highlight on that group what, what Brian means to our church, because sometimes, because Brian's not an official pastor, 
though he functions in a pastoral way, he oversees a lot of ministries in the church that really make the rest of us function, from the coffee bar to the IT to media and marketing to our security, as well as our finances and facilities. And there's other things as well, but he's so critical to what we do. And I just want to let you know that we appreciate what Brian does and his team so much. And God has brought within each of our, those leaders just some really great team members. And over the last year and a half, I want to just point out that there have been some people that have been added to our team and who they are and what they've done. Uh, a year and a half ago, we hired a young man right out of Bible college named Jace Martin. And isn't Jace pretty cool? Last night, he was up here doing Jingle Jam. He was like Dick Van Dyke. I mean, he was, he was singing, dancing. Uh, he, had, he had foreign accents, outfits. I mean, he was just incredible. And uh, we are so blessed to have Jace um, as our children's pastor and around him is a great team. And two of the new gals that started just before Jace was hired are Jessica Janish, who oversees our early childhood, and Sydney Stoltzvis, who um, oversees our elementary kids. And those two women, they only work about 12 hours a week, but they are doing a phenomenal job uh, ministering to their team leaders and guiding those ministries. Uh, last couple months, they've been having team huddles, meaning they meet before, you know, about 15 minutes before they need to be in their classroom. They meet together to pray, to encourage one another, and to build that team um, rapport. So then they go off to their classrooms to minister to the kids. And so there's some really great um, team development happening within our ministries. Someone else that's been new, actually this year was B. Nav. B is working in our care center, and she is such a tender-hearted person and has worked alongside um, Pastor Rick and, and Morgan helping our care, um, care ministry um, just flourish. You see up on stage a young man named Austin. He's sometimes on keyboard, sometimes he's on drums, sometimes he's in the sound booth. But Austin really was the main figure behind producing the worship album that you've, many of you have enjoyed. He's just a phenomenal, talented young man. We're so blessed to have him. Uh, Bonnie Moe has been a contractor with us. In the last few months, Bonnie's done a lot of work with our graphics, including she did this, and she did all the um, publications, the banners and everything, the help with the videos for immeasurable impact. And our newest staff member, this is really exciting, the newest staff member is a former elder of our church who served on the mission field for 18 years, 17 years, Scott Price is now our evening host for facilities, and it's so great when people come in the evening to see a, someone who loves the Lord, loves the church, is very gifted, and Scott is so humble, he's, he's, he's willing to take on this position that involves sometimes even scrubbing toilets, and uh, so great to have the staff that we have. So I just want to encourage you, sometimes we, we take our leaders for granted. It's when things get, get wonky, you know, dysfunctional, that we start to realize how much we need good people. We've got some good people. Let them know that. Secondly, stability and leadership is where it all starts. Secondly, we're nourished by the word. In 2018, we made a commitment that we were going to really focus on getting people into the Bible. Uh, It it just seems like that's a no-brainer, but the truth is a lot of Christians that I've met over the years, people who have been in church for decades often still are so intimidated by the Bible They don't read it for themselves. They just wait to come to church to kind of get fed by someone else. And the greatest spiritual growth you'll ever experience will come through your own personal study. If you can get into God's Word and get past the intimidation factor, start to to read it and get to understand it, it will change your life in, in incredible ways. And so we started this Bible reading plan in January to read through the the Bible just by chunk by chunk. So we went through the book of Luke. 
and the book of Acts and several Old Testament, New Testament books. We did it every, uh, every week through the entire year. We'll, we'll continue to do that in 2019. And the whole goal isn't just to read the Bible. It's to process what God is saying, just to read enough so that we can ask ourselves, what is God saying? What is he saying to me? And what does he want me to do with it? And when you approach God's word that way, things open up. I mean, we, there's a man in our church who came to me when, when we started it in January, and he said he was a little confused because he would read the Bible and he'd read these commentar- commentaries, which other people try to explain what the Bible's saying. He said he was a little bit confused, and, and it, was, it was a lot of work. And I said, why don't you try this? Don't read the commentaries. Just read the Bible. Pray before you read it. Ask these three questions. And a week later, he came back to me and said, oh, my goodness, I'm, My eyes are being opened up to things I hadn't seen before. And he said, I really believe that that of all the things the church has done for me and my family, this may be the best. And it really is. God's word is nourishment for the soul. Listen to what Jesus said. Actually, Jesus quoted this passage when he was tempted in the wilderness. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You need God's word to grow spiritually. You cannot you cannot grow spiritually apart from God's word. It's, it's food for the soul. And many of us are just starving. We're malnourished because we, we don't eat God's word enough. It is food for the soul. It's, a, it's the foundation on which we build our lives. Jesus said it's like building on the rock. Um, David in Psalms says it's, it's having a light for our path. God has so much good for us in his word, and so that's why it's so critical we get into it. I've made a commitment myself to understand the Bible better. I went back to school last year, spent a whole year in a, taking a class called Biblical Narrative to, to learn things I hadn't learned about the Bible before because I want to I know this book. I want to be able to communicate it to others. I'm also committed to taking a, a couple large chunks of time every year to preach through books of the Bible because it's really amazing when you find the Bible in context. That's why we spent 30-some weeks in the book of Ephesians last year. Um, in January, we're going to go through Genesis. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually have the Bible reading plan go through a chapter a day. And then that Sunday, either Pastor Sam or myself will preach on a passage from those chapters that you've read. And so it'll be real exciting for us as a whole church to kind of take this journey together. And last year, a couple hundred people started in January. I'd love for a thousand people to start with us. You can, you can either get a hard copy of the reading plan in January, or you can actually request to have it sent to you, uh, what is the reading for today, and read it each day. So that's a, a focus. We've been nourished by the Word. Third is strength in ministry. When I look back at this past year, one of the things I, I notice is how strong we become in our ministries. We went through years of experimenting, of trying things and then changing programs. And I know it was frustrating um, for some of you because, hey, you did this two years in a row. Now you're not doing it anymore. So do we know it wasn't really working as well as we wanted it to. But I think we've hit a rhythm now where we're doing some ministries that are really bearing good fruit. And uh, when I look across the board at all the the ministries that we have, I'm, I'm just feeling really good about what God has built. And so instead of introducing a lot of new stuff, We're just refining the things that we're doing, making them better, improving it, uh, because we're seeing good fruit. Starts with our um, Bible studies in small groups. We've got some small group leaders, some Bible study leaders that have been here for years, faithfully teaching God's Word, building a core and a steady um, group who are listening to God's Word. In fact, we've we've looked at the model of a small group and said, you know, that's really where people learn best, is in a, 
a group of people where they can share their life experiences, how they're applying God's word into their life. And we've implemented that, implemented that in almost every ministry and program within our church. So, for example, children's ministry and student ministry is based not on a big group experience, though they do big group stuff, but they break off into small groups with a leader and a group of kids because it's in that environment where kids get to wrestle through, what does the scriptures mean to me? How do I live this thing out? What do I do with this truth that God has presented in the word? And it's all through every other ministry that we do. We, we want to get people in groups where they start talking about what God is teaching them. And by the way, our children's and student ministry, uh, as they're being built around that, we've had seven new group leaders for middle school. There's some 80-some kids coming on Sunday morning in our middle school program, and the kids are getting ready for their winter camps. There's a couple winter camps coming up um, in February, and then the summer comes. They've got summer camp. They've got desperation conference. Um, in our kids, we had vacation Bible school this summer. They had camps as well. Last night was Jingle Jam, as I mentioned. It was a phenomenal program. Um, parents walked out of here feeling like they just had a date night with their kids and a night that helped them just really get in the Christmas spirit and remember the meaning of Christmas. So um, our, our, they're hitting a rhythm now uh, with our children's ministry and student ministry that's really good. And we're seeing it in our other programs from pastoral care. That, that, that involves Celebrate Recovery, um, well care classes like Healing Journey, uh, Divorce Care, Grief Share. And we were finding good fruit from those, so they're being repeated constantly. Our intern program in our care center is ministering to hundreds of people every month through the counseling ministry. In fact, it is being looked at by other churches, and other churches are wanting to imitate what Pastor Rick has built in our care center here. Um, Rick was able to help Sunnyside Christian Church this past year. He and Morgan went up there to help them start on a smaller scale a, a, a counseling ministry at that church, and Pastor Rick has had the opportunity to even go to Kentucky to share with other pastors there what God is doing here through our church. Uh, we find uh, that God's working uh, through our missions ministry. We've had, uh, we continue to have our team go down to Mexico every year. That's been a great trip, not only fruitful for the orphanage in Mexico, but it's been a, a steady thing for our own church family to introduce people to missions sometimes for the very first time. Our PALS ministry meets every month and cares for those that are sometimes lonely, in a stage of life where they're not as mobile as they used to be, and that's a place of fellowship and, and care for them. We have our MOPS ministry that's just been really strong the last few years, and this year we've added Moms Next, which is an evening program for moms. And 40-some ladies come uh, for that program twice a month and bring along about 50 kids. Between the two programs, MOPS and Moms Next, there's about 90 ladies involved in those groups and over 110 kids that come uh, for children's ministry with those. Reengage our ministry to married couples every semester. This is the second full year we've done it, but every semester we've done it, we've had at least 35 couples take the course. This semester, we have, we're 40 couples. And it's just amazing to hear the stories of what God is doing to renew um, faith in the marriages. Sometimes some marriages go through some really difficult times because they start talking through issues that are very difficult. But more often than not, we find marriages rise up to a greater level of satisfaction because couples learn to communicate. And as I shared before, we've had some baptisms this semester out of it. We, we've had a, um, a, we're going to have a couple weddings come out of this semester. So my wife and I are involved leading a small group within Reengage, and it's, it's awesome what God is doing through that ministry. We started parenting classes, positive parenting, which is helping parents learn to really care for the ones that God has entrusted. And Pastor Sam's looking to expand that, to broaden that, to probably double the weeks to go into some deeper areas with our parents. We just see that God is doing so many things 
things and all these different ministries. And behind the scenes are steady things like a prayer ministry. Every Thursday morning, a group comes here and prays over the needs of the church family. On Wednesday morning and evening, a group of moms come and pray over the kids and the, the students that are in our schools. And of course, it comes back to Sunday. I, mean, I really appreciate the fact that we have a great team that works together to put our best foot forward every Sunday so that when you come or bring a friend to church, they'll have a very um, great experience with the Lord. We really pray that God would help you hear his voice and what he's saying to you personally and take your next step of faith. So all those things to say, we have a, a pretty steady ministry as a church, and that's a good thing because it's taken a long time to kind of figure it out. But God's got us in some great rhythms. And then the, the last word would be provision, provision. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, If you then know who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good, gifts, give good things to those who ask him? He said, he's basically saying this. If you human beings are, are good at giving gifts to your children, and a lot of you are going to do that this next, this next several weeks, Christmas is coming, you know how to give good things for your kids? How much more will God do for his children? That means you and me. How much more will he do for us? He will take care of us. He will bless us. He will do good things for us. And I love the fact that um, that's Matthew seven eleven because it just jumped out to me when we were in Thailand recently. It seemed like everywhere we went in Thailand, we saw one American store, 7-Eleven. It was like everywhere. I said, how come 7-Elevens are all, all I don't see very many McDonald's. I see a lot of 7-Elevens. I mean, you could drive down a street sometimes, and they're like Starbucks. I mean, they're all over the place. And the cool thing about the 7-Eleven is we could go in, and, and they had uh, pharmaceutical stuff. They had food. They had meals. You could actually microwave right there in 7-Eleven and walk out. I said, this is incredible. 7-Eleven is providing for all their needs. Um, Well, it just made me think of God. God says, I'm going to take care of your needs. I'm going to provide for you. And two main ways I've seen God provide this year. One is in the volunteers in this church. Uh, You are the backbone of this church. As strong of a staff and eldership we have, we could not do ministry without you. Those of you who usher and, and serve here on Sunday morning, you're behind the scenes. We couldn't do what we do without you. Those on the band, worship team, um, tech booth, ushers, greeters, coffee bar, those who come in and clean the church uh, during the week, all of you, our next-gen staff, all, of, all the hundreds of hours given to care for our kids and to rock the babies. I mean, all these ministries take place, and I could go on and on of all the areas of service I really appreciate those that were new that stepped into roles of service for the very first time. You said, I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to try this out. And you stepped into a ministry, and God's using you and stretching you. And some of you who were in ministry took a, a step up. You said, I'm going to take on a greater role of responsibility. We had a couple teams this year, volunteers, go to conferences to learn how to lead ministries because we can't, we can't have staff leading all the ministries. There's just too many ministries. But to have people who love the Lord and are willing to give the time and effort to lead a ministry is phenomenal. And we're seeing that within our church. And so we appreciate the teams that serve uh, on Sundays, but also during the week, Wednesday nights here at the church, down at the prison, um, throughout the community, our missionaries. We, we love the fact that we have people serving all over um, the place. Another area that God has provided, though, is financially. And that means a lot to us as a staff because we can't do ministry. We, can't have, we won't even have jobs if the church isn't faithful. And some of you might remember back early in the year, two months into the year, we were 30 some thousand dollars behind budget. 
And that really pinches things because we don't have a lot of room to fluctuate. Um, that $30,000 means there's a lot of ministry that won't happen. And if it gets worse, we will have to either cut staff, missionaries, and programs to stay afloat as a church. And so uh, in March, we addressed that, and we challenged you to, to, to give. And by the end of the month, we made up that difference. And we've been in the black ever since the rest of the year. Here's what that means for all of us. We get to do all the ministry God's put on our heart to do for this year. So when we get to the summer, we're not making cuts for vacation Bible school or, or cutting back on our ministry to the teenagers when they are really doing the most ministry of the year right in the summer months. Um, we made it all through the summer in a very good place, entered the fall in a good place so that we could then lay before you the latest challenge, a measurable impact God's put on the hearts of our leaders, our staff and our elders to move forward with expanding the campus, starting with um, renovating the next-gen center so our kids have a great place to do ministry. That building has served us really well for 17 years, but it's showing wear and tear. And little by little, we're renovating that space over there uh, so the kids have a really great environment in which to learn. And guess what? We adults get a benefit from using that place too because when it's good for our kids, it's good for the adults. And all that is to help us get us ready for the next phase, which is uh, an expanded care center because God is growing our care center. We need more space for that. So that'll be the next phase in the near future. So God has uh, God's been very generous. As you can see in the bulletin, I think it's $160,000 has come in already this year for um, immeasurable impact. And then right after that, we went into uh, Thanksgiving baskets and Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. And honestly, I wondered how well we would do with those things because we just got through this great giving period. And yet still, we had over 750 boxes prepared for kids and 170-some Thanksgiving baskets to give to the needy in our community. And that is awesome. Isn't that? That's so great. Here's what we're learning. It's really, it really is more blessed to give than receive, right? And then we have December where you're going to give to family and friends and, and again be asked to look at our, uh, our needs within the church as we end the year. And God has blessed us to be a blessing. And so I just look to the Lord and say, thank you for the way you've provided for us to, so we could do more ministry to bring more people to you. That's, that's this year. So what's coming next year? Similarly, I want to look at four key words heading into 2019. Uh, the first is increased opportunities. One of the dangers of success is that you can become complacent. And so when things are going well, the danger is saying, hey, it worked well last year, let's just do it again. And we constantly have to stop and then ask ourselves, is it still working? Is this still what God wants us to do? Or does God want us to be doing something different? And our community um, continues to grow. If you look around the Fountain Valley, there are, there are constantly new developments, especially when you go east and south, constantly seeing new homes being built. We're seeing um, new schools going up. We're getting roads that are being improved. And all that's going to lead to greater growth for the Fountain Valley, meaning more people are moving in. And there are more people for us to reach for the Lord. And I believe as I look out around us that God has positioned us very strategically in the Fountain Valley to be a light in the darkness. I, I don't think there's been a harder time for families than what we're dealing with right now. I mean, the way the culture is, is bombarding us, the way the temptations are there, the way the confusion is just pervading um, our culture about what's true, what's, what's not true, how are we supposed to live, what's marriage like, what, what, who am I supposed to be as a boy, who am I supposed to be as a girl, all this kind of stuff. Very, very confusing. It's very difficult. And the voice of the church is so critical. 
and how we're able to come along beside families to help marriages, to help, help kids process their issues, to help parents learn to communicate with their kids. All these things are going to be bigger and more important than ever before. And so we have a vital role in this community for decades, probably generations to come. And that's why it's so important that we continue to expand the base here of operations. Great opportunities are before us. We also have opportunities in the broader city of Colorado Springs. Night to Shine uh, will have its fifth year at Pikes Peak Christian Church in February. For those of you who don't know, this is a special event um, that we do along with the Tim Tebow Foundation to minister to young people and actually adults with special needs. And for the last several years, how many of you, by the way, have been involved with Night to Shine? Isn't that a pretty cool event? It's one of the best things we do all year long, um, to see these people get loved the way God loves them. And uh, this year, I'm just going to announce because some of you don't know this, this next year it's going to be different. Um, It is going to be held at Focus on the Family. We are just in the process of, of finalizing a contract with them to do it on their campus. And the reason being is we can reach about three times as many kids there than we could in our building. We've had, to cut, we've had to cap the number of kids able to come to our place because of space issues. We are able to expand it broadly up there and invite all these other um, people with special needs and involve other churches to come along and partner with us. And so it's going to be real exciting for us to be part of that bigger project. And then going beyond Colorado Springs, we look at the world and what God is doing all around us. God is doing things all over the world through our missionaries that we support. And uh, God's doing work right now through the ones we support. And this next year, we've got some special projects that will kind of tie in with some of those missionaries. For example, Bill Delaney from our facilities ministry is putting together a team to go to Kona, um, Hawaii in February. And what they're going to do is help build housing for the students. Kona is the biggest YWAM uh, base in the world, has the biggest DTS, Discipleship Training School. And so they they bring all these together. And so uh, they're going to provide housing and, and for these kids there on their campus. And Bill's got a team together that he's going to bring with them. Secondly, uh, my wife, Julie, is going to take a team of women to Indonesia to work with some women at risk. They're going to go in June for that. And then for myself, I'm going to go to uh, Myanmar, which is former Burma, with a couple guys in our church to help um, teach some pastors. Julie and I just returned from Thailand. Some of you uh, learned that last week. And we had the privilege of teaching some folks while we were in Thailand. Here's a picture of one of the um, teaching events. There's 27 pastors that we were able to teach that day. Well, multiply that about 40 times. There's a a group of pastors coming together in Myanmar, uh, over 1,000 pastors, and they need help teaching. And so I offered us to come and work along beside Johnny Morse and his team as they uh, put on that event for these pastors. Burma, by the way, has opened up. They, just, there's an opportunity there that's unprecedented. And we have an opportunity to influence, really, the church across the nation by being part of that event. And so the plan is to go there and participate with them. I mean, God is doing so many great things. And by the way, when I was there, I want to show you one other picture. This next picture is a bathroom house. It's got four rooms on one side and four on the other side. But the reason this is so cool is because about 14 years ago, our mission team that went to Thailand built that. And some of you didn't know that. But that's at the Eden Center uh, where the Morrises do a lot of their training. So uh, all these opportunities are before us. Thirdly, uh, or secondly, individual responsibility. Individual responsibility 
is a big theme for this next year, the word responsibility. Our mission statement is to help more people more often say yes to God. And, it, and we have focused a lot on helping you say yes to God. We want to put the emphasis in 2019 on the first part of the mission statement, which is helping more people. The best way for the church to grow is for all of us to reach the people around us. What would happen if each one here would reach one? If each one of you would reach one person this coming year, if the 1,000 people that come on Sunday mornings to Pikes Peak Christian Church each brought just one person to church and, and they got hooked on Jesus in 2019, this church would double in size in one year. And it's not too much to ask you to look around you. Who's God uniquely positioned you uh, around? Like, like, who are the kids you go to school with? Who are the people that you work with? Who are your neighbors? Who are the people you interact with on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Those are people that Jesus died for. Those are people, if they don't accept Jesus as Savior, will have an eternity separated from him forever. And sometimes I think we become so numb to the lost around us. And see, when Jesus came to Jerusalem at the end of his ministry, he wept over the city because they wouldn't come to him. And I wonder how many of us weep over the people around us. And I admit sometimes I get so caught up in the Sunday-to-Sunday stuff that I forget my neighbors that don't know Jesus the people around me that don't know him. And I confess that oftentimes I don't even pray for them. And so what we want to do in 2019 is, is have all of us identify the people around us. Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's a couple. Maybe it's a family to say, Lord, I really want to influence that family. I love that family. And I want to love them like you do. So I'm going to start praying for them every day. And I'm going to look for ways to love them where they are. And I'm going to look for the opportunity to share with them a little bit of my story of what you've done for me so they can see how good you are. Because if, if you're good to me, you can be good to them. And I want to look for the opportunity that I could invite them to come to church, maybe on a Sunday morning, but maybe to re-engage, maybe to a parenting class, maybe to a, a Financial Peace University class where they can come along beside and start to learn how good you are to them. And we want to come back to that again and again on Sunday morning to encourage you it's great to invite people for Christmas, and we hope you do that this year. But don't make it just a once-a-year focus. We want you to make it something all the time. And so we want to give you tools. We want to give you encouragement. We want to train you in areas where you struggle to help you have that individual responsibility. Third word is pain. Inevitable pain. This is uh, something I just want to give you a heads up on. Growth costs something. If we want to be comfortable, if we want to cruise and, and not endure suffering or pain, we could stay right where we are and, and stop growing. But if we're going to take new territory for the Lord, I just want to warn you, it will cost something. And sometimes it'll hurt. It will be uncomfortable. You know this trip to Myanmar in February? It's a 30-hour flight there, 30 hours back. I don't like sitting in cramped spaces for 30 hours. I don't like trying to get comfortable in a chair to sleep for that long. But to me, that's a little bit of suffering to help those who suffer far more than I ever would. And sometimes it'll be through the the physical pain we might suffer. Sometimes it might be emotional pain. There may be people around you who don't agree with you. You need to know that the culture is shifting away from Christ pretty rapidly. And it's causing Christians to, to, to have to wrestle with this fact of, do I really believe what this book says? Is Jesus the only way? Is he really? I don't know. Is he? Because if I believe it, it's not going to be popular with the people around me. Do I really believe what the Bible says about marriage and family? Because if I do, 
I'm not going to be popular with the people around me. And that's painful. Following Jesus, though, is painful. He said, pick up your cross. Follow me. Crosses aren't necklaces. They're things you die on. And dying is painful. And so we get to choose willingly to die for Jesus a little bit at a time by giving of ourselves. It's like the Apostle Paul. Paul had this desire. And I always thought this was crazy. You know, my desire is to know Jesus. My desire is to be blessed by Jesus. But I wonder if my desire would be like this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Do I want to know Jesus so much? Do I want to become so much like Jesus that I suffer like Jesus? I want to grow in that area. And so if things hurt in this next year for the cause of the kingdom, that's going to be okay, right? It's going to be okay. It's going to be good, actually. Because all that is for this fourth word, immeasurable impact. So you can go through your life and make a living, or you can go through life and make a difference. And I hope you choose the latter. Don't just make a living. Don't just get through life. Make your life count. You know, this week I was reading statistics uh, as I was looking at retirement issues. I did not know this. Do you know what the average lifespan or the life expectancy of the American male is? 76 years. 76 years? I've got 18 years left. 18 years. When my my current grandson, the youngest grandson I have, graduates, then I'm going to say goodbye. That terrifies me. That scares me. I've got 18 years to, make, to get my life together to make things count for the Lord. And uh, I, I may get more years than that. I may get less years than that. And same for you. Women, by the way, have a life expectancy of 81 years. I don't want to spend the next 18 years watching cable TV and playing golf. I want to go all out for Jesus. I want to make this life count. I want to be like Paul who says, I gave it all. I, I ran the race. I fought the fight. I've emptied myself. I want, to, I want to leave life empty. I want to give everything I have for the Lord. I ran cross country when I was in high school. And I remember when you'd run cross country, it's about a three-mile race. You get to the last, last half mile and you start to see where the finish line is and something stirs within you where you sprint. Maybe not, maybe not as fast as you could sprint in a 100-yard dash, but you pick up the pace in a big way. And you start chugging to the finish line, and there's like the second wind. It's exhilarating. That's how I want to finish my years on earth. I, I want to I sprint to the finish line. I don't, I don't want to coast. I want to go strong. I want to do everything I can to be prepared for, the, for God to use me well and spend me over these years. I hope he does the same for you. I hope you don't want to coast to the finish line. I hope you want to say, God, use me. Use me for your glory. Help me to reach other people. I don't want to be a spectator watching other people do this. I want you to use me. I want you to use me to reach the people around me. Little old me, without a Bible education, without a degree in in the scriptures, without a lot of fancy titles. I pray that you use me. And, And if you offer yourself like that, I promise you this, God will use you in amazing ways.